And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. DirecTV gives you access to apps like Netflix and live sports right next to each other. I don't get it. Let me put it in pigeon terms. It's like that one amazing dumpster with the old fruits and cardboard all in one place. How am I supposed to keep up with illustrative metaphors when you are making me so hungry? Get live TV and streaming apps together without a satellite. Visit directtv.com. Requires high-speed internet-connected Gemini device and separate paid subscription to watch Netflix on DirecTV. Terms and restrictions apply. Today's episode of the Can't Wait Podcast is brought to you by Remarkably Remote, a new daily microcast from the experts at GoToMeeting, all about making work from home work for you with indispensable intel on how to stay sane, motivated, and productive at home. We're here to help you in this brave new remote working world. Find us on smart speakers or subscribe on your favorite podcasting app. You can also listen at GoToMeeting.com slash tips. That's GoToMeeting.com slash tips. This is the Can't Wait Podcast, our Jets pod here at The Athletic. Tim McMaster, along with Connor Hughes, as always, subscribe and rate us. You can also go to theathletic.com slash can't wait, save 40% off a subscription. This is a very special episode of Can't Wait. The draft is about a week away, so obviously we're going to get into that. We're going to talk about possibilities for the Jets to pick, what would be a good draft, what wouldn't be a good draft. But they told us here at The Athletic during the pandemic, while everybody's dealing with coronavirus, keep things interesting, even though there's no sports We are doing that. Thanks to the Real Housewives of New Jersey, Jackie and Evan Goldschneider, joining us on the show. And um, Connor, you're a big part of how this came about. Before we introduce them officially, uh, how did this? How did they come to to be a part of this show? Yeah, so I'll I'll be honest. Like I'm 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 really just headlined with the sports stuff. I mean, I that that's kind of my my wheelhouse. So this was totally out of it. But but Jackie reached out on on Instagram, and I was like, you know, this would actually be kind of cool. But the crazy thing was like when you reached out, Jackie, I was like, oh, I was like, I wonder if Marissa's like super familiar with this show. So I shot Marissa a text. I was like, hey, I don't know if you, you'd be interested. I think this could be kind of a cool little collaboration. And and within like two seconds, Marissa was like, who reached out and lost my mind, just pumped and excited. And so that's uh, kind of how this whole thing came together. And it's, it's going to be fun because I know uh, you guys are Jet fans. Obviously, we, we talk a ton about the Jets here and we're going to uh, rock and roll a little bit. Realistically, Marissa should probably be hosting this show. I should just walk <laughs> away and let her do it. But um, before we say hi to you guys officially, we have a little treat. Uh, Marissa's going to roll the tape, but we came up with our own taglines for this episode of the podcast. Go ahead, Marissa. Win or lose, don't blame me. I'm the beat reporter you need. (laughs) I may be from Boston, but I know the AFC East better than anybody. (laughs) If I'm not in the press box tweeting, you can bet that I'm in there eating. (laughs) Only the best things in life can be found behind a paywall. (laughs) All right, Jackie, what do you think? You made me very proud. I know Connor likes to eat, so that, that's pretty appropriate. <laughs> oh, that's my thing, man. That's my thing. That pre- the press box power rankings is my uh, my my go to. It's it's why I, it's why I really have this job. So we're gonna have some fun. We're gonna do trivia, but we're gonna kind of flip it around. Uh, f- we're gonna have Jackie answer Jets questions and Evan answer Real Housewives of New Jersey questions. So we'll get to that in a little bit. But but big picture questions, guys. Um, we mentioned, you know, what we're all going through right now with COVID-19 and and we're trying to have fun and entertain people on this podcast, but these are obviously serious times. So um, like everyone else, you guys are quarantined with your family. How's it been going out there in New Jersey? It's busy. I mean, it's, it's a little bit, um, I miss my parents. I miss seeing, you know, friends and going to, you know, stores, but, you know, we're all healthy. So, you know, we, we just, we appreciate that. And, you know, um, but it's it's different and it's busy with four kids to homeschool. It's very, very busy here and we're both still working. So um, it's 
been nonstop. We're, we're very fortunate that we have, uh, we're in the suburbs. So instead of being in an apartment where we're kind of stuck, at least we have the outside world, which is kind of our backyard and our basketball court. So uh, our kids are also, they're very active in sports. So they've been playing basketball, what, like four to six hours a day. Yeah. Uh, they're learning important life lessons, like play through the whistle. Um, <laughs> it's bleeding, don't complain, only if it's broken, you know, things like that. So we're toughening them up. Like after this, I think they'll be ready for the military. <laughs> Will they be ready for the Jets? That's that's the real question. Yeah, no, I mean, one of them's middle name is Jet. So. Yes. When, when <laughs> wow. they older twins when they were born i wanted one of them to have my maiden name as his middle name he said that's fine i want to name the other one after the jets there you are so his middle name is jet. which is crazy because they were born in april of 08 so it was after that pretty bad 07 season which and then the 08 season yeah the 08 back, yeah. started great with with far yep. we started great i'm like oh my god they're the best luck these kids and then <laughs> turned out they weren't that great luck <laughs> <laughs> So I, I think the thing that I'm like super interested in, in, in like this, like how you guys have gotten involved in, in, in the reality television is how it actually begins. Like, I mean, is this where there is a casting? Is this something where you guys were like, was it a pitch? I mean, how was, how did it come apart with you guys getting involved in, in the show? Uh, I'm not really allowed to talk that oh. much about that stuff. I mean, I will just say that, um, I always watched the show. Okay. And so, um, you know, I think they cast a wide net and they look at like everyone all over the gotcha. state and then they narrow down what they're looking for. And I think I just happened to check a lot of boxes awesome. in what they were looking for. Um, so someone reached out to me and I was interested and I never thought it would happen. So I said to Evan, I said, do you mind if I go for this? And he said, what's the chance of it happening? I said, one in a million. He said, yeah, go for it. So... <laughs> I was playing the odds. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, we're we're really happy. We're used to it by now. It takes an adjustment, but we love it. We're happy. Awesome. I don't know how much you're allowed to kind of peek, let us peek behind the curtain on the show at all, but I, I just have one question that's that show content connected, and that is, is the Jennifer that we see on screen for real? Is that the Sadly. real Jennifer? Sadly, yes. It is not sadly. I mean, that is her that I would like to say that it's an act, but it is not. <laughs> that, that is Jennifer. She's a good person. And you know what? She's yeah. a good person. And you'll be like, she'll, she'll be so nice. And you'll be like, Oh, maybe I had her pegged wrong. And then like the next second, she'll just do something like so assholey. And you're <laughs> like, wait, no, <laughs> that's really her. Is there a moment for you guys where you, where you can like kind of turn the cameras off? Like, is like where it's like, okay, like, let's just, now it's just us. Like now it's just what, like, I remember I like watching way back when, when the show was huge was like the Jersey shore. And like, they were talking about how, like, you know, when the cameras are always on, always on. And they were like, yeah, well, you know, well, that's why each of us take like four hour showers. Cause that's when we can just stay away and like be our own people. Like, you know, like kind of separate ourselves. <laughs> yeah. From no, and all. our show is totally different than that. So like Jersey shore was an MTV show what with the housewives they don't leave cameras in our house or anything okay, like that gotcha. like we film when we're filming but like there's no cameras in our house uh, unless we're filming a scene in our house got you got you it, it does take a little getting used to at least for me like the first year like the camera's on me and i'm like oh my god what am i looking like what am yeah. i saying like I'm, I'm analyzing everything i'm saying as i'm saying it so it's it's coming across like not that great and then the second year there was just a uh there was a point where i'm like i don't even notice the cameraman yeah. anymore yeah you just it get just, used to it. It just becomes part of it. It's like yeah. the background. Did you guys have any background in TV before? Or was this like totally brand new for you when you started? Totally brand new. Yeah. I had background in watching TV. <laughs> <laughs> so, so one side of it, yes. But not nothing. Well, that, that, that prepares you as well. <laughs> um, okay. One side. So... Who wants to go first, Jackie or Evan, with this trivia? I game? really, I really don't know much about the Jets. You're going to be very disappointed. <laughs> don't well, worry, Jackie. The, these aren't too hard. Connor wanted me to make them harder. I will. Yeah, say and that. You, you can, uh, you can, you can call on your partner there. You can, you can ta tag him in to, to answer some of them. Now. All right, yeah. nice, all nice right, one. okay. So and, so and we're keeping score. You know, 
because right. yeah, okay. I'm not gonna help her. You Goldschneiders are competitive, I know, we from watching. Are. So we are keeping score. And there will be a winner. No participation trophy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, let's do it. So and the, okay, so Jackie, you can go first. And there is multiple choice options as well. So um, okay. so you can wait for the multiple choice. Uh, we'll alternate firing these away. Uh, question number one for Jackie about the Jets. What is the Jets' nickname? Do you want the multiple choice or do you want to give it a shot? No, it's gangrene. There you go. One for one. one. All right, Evan. What year did Real Housewives of New Jersey start? That would be 2009. Correct. There you go. Let's go. Wow. (laughs) Go. One, one. (laughs) We are off to a good start here. Very good. All right. So. On Martin Luther King Jr. Day, whoop, almost knocked my mic over. Um, you guys and your family volunteered with Blake Cashman at the Center for Food Action. What position does Blake Cashman play? Oh, my God. I have a, no idea. All right, here's um, here's multiple see. choice. You've got offensive line, okay. quarterback, receiver, or linebacker. Um, I'm going to say he is um, offensive line. <laughs> Oh, one for two. He's a linebacker. Linebacker. Uh, oh, it's too bad. He was a nice right. guy. Oh, yeah, he's a good guy. He's a good guy. That was, that was an easy one. Come on. <laughs> All right, back to Evan. Uh, Jackie's first tagline was, I have four kids, two degrees, and blank. One kick-ass life. Oh, yes. wow, you slayed that one. Yep. Uh, two nice. for two. On the multiple choice there, we had um, an amazing husband as one option there, just in case you needed some help. (laughs) You probably should have changed it to that, (laughs) guys. All right, Jackie, this is probably a big year for Evan. I don't know if he was even born. What year did the Jets win the Super Bowl? 1969. Yeah, there you go. Oh, yes. <laughs> technically, technically, that's right, but it was the 68 season. Yep, so. 68, 69. <laughs> right? Yep. True. That, I guess oh, wow. two answers we probably would have accepted on that one. <laughs> that was good. I'm just impressed. I, I, I'm even... impressed with myself. That was a good one. It's also her favorite number. Oh. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so where was Jackie's first trip on Real Housewives in New Jersey? Oklahoma. There you go. There you go. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Apparently, we should have the made these questions choice. tougher. Yeah. I remember it because our Wi-Fi went out for like four days. And we, I wasn't we, home to fix it. And I had no TV. I had no Wi-Fi. <laughs> I was like living in the Middle East. So I, I remember it like people remember like uh, the depression. He's traumatized. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Back to you, Jackie, with the Jets trivia. Okay. What was Joe Namath's nickname? Uh, Broadway Joe. There you go. Yes. Nailed it. Good. Good. I am good. I am yeah. very impressed. Very good. <laughs> All right, Evan, this is a big one. What is the name of Margaret's fashion line? Can I have a multiple choice, please? There you can. <laughs> yes, you can. Highline Fashion, MJ Designs, Macbeth Collection, or The Marge? C, Macbeth collection. Fuck there you, you. go. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, bonus question. What is the name of Melissa's fashion line? Envy. Ah, there you go. Oh. <laughs> I know this. I like the Marge. She should have gone with the Marge. The Marge. <laughs> All right, so Jackie, what ailment did the Jets quarterback Sam Darnold fight through last season? Um, a torn ACL? No, I can give you a multiple choice, though. Uh, I can give you multiple choice. Go ahead. All right. Yeah. Broken hand, migraines, mono, or a strained hamstring? Oh, mono. Yep, there you go. There you go. You got that one. (laughs) Everyone gets that one on the multiple choice. That one sticks out. You're like, oh, remember that. Because because Evan spent a whole season saying, who gets mono? Who gets mono? (laughs) Everyone in the media room said the same thing, too. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, was All he right. like volunteering at a, like a middle school or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he hasn't. He, he kept that one under wraps. He kept that one on the the, yeah. the retrieving of it under wraps. He hasn't talked too much about that. I, I wouldn't either. 
All right, final question for Evan. How many Real Housewives shows have there been in the United States? Basically, how many cities? The hardest question ever. Can I have multiple choice, please? Yes, you can. Uh, Six, eight, nine, or 11? 11. No, it's nine. Ah, we're tied. I'm sure there'll be 11 in a couple years. But. I was looking forward. <laughs> oh, man. Well, we did have one extra Jets question. Um, okay. This could be maybe the tiebreaker, tie but yeah. it, awesome. Evan should know this one. All right. Who famously said, can't wait when the Jets beat the Patriots to advance the AFC championship in the 2010-2011 season? You want it or should I just take it? I have no wait. Can't wait. Which our podcast is named after. Um, I, I don't know. Who said it? Bart Scott. Thank you. Thank there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that you guys both got four correct. So it is a tie, I would think. Yeah, that, that's good. That keeps it harmonious. Yes. Then we don't have to fight <laughs> the, later. The, the quarantine like remains civil. Yeah. yeah. I'm in. I won't sleep tonight. <laughs> I agree. I'm impressed with both of you. Uh, the, that was good stuff. Uh, the the lack of need to go to multiple choice most of the time, too. Very impressive. All right. Should we talk yeah. about the Jets? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Love it. All right. Let's, let's do some draft prep. So what we have is, um, so Connor did a mock draft uh, with the NFL team here at The Athletic. And then our draft guru, Dane Brugler, did his own mock draft. Um, they actually agreed on one pick, but but a lot goes into this. So we're kind of kind of go through the picks, um, and and who they could end up with, and and how it kind of works out. So I'm not sure exactly where this is going to end up going, um, but but we'll get into it and and see where it goes. Um, first of all, Connor, for everyone out there who maybe doesn't quite understand it, this is going to be a weird draft. These teams are spread out. There's no. It was supposed to be in Vegas. There was supposed to be a boat that brought the players to the stage it was supposed to be this spectacle for america and now it's basically going to be a bunch of gms on a zoom call like we're talking right now i mean explain how that's going to work connor well honestly man i think it's it's going to be weird i think that's that's the best way to explain how it's going to work and there's an article actually up on the athletic lindsey jones did a tremendous job with it she pieced it together and and based 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 on what the nfl saying so if you want to go through all the the intense details of what this is going to mean uh that's the best way to do it but Honestly, like this is just going to be the, the way that they basically explained how it's going to happen is exactly why I felt all along that they were just going to end up pushing this thing back and that they weren't going to to do it now. They were going to delay the draft because, I mean, when you think about how the draft normally works, right, and, and even from from a media perspective, and this is just from how I have covered the draft, everyone since 2014, it's you get to the team's facility that you're covering so whatever team you're covering whatever whatever wherever they work out for the jets it's florin park when i covered the giants it was in east rutherford you get there uh two hours before the draft and you sit in the media room with all of your fellow reporters and you watch the draft on tv once the selection is made the gm and the coach come down and they talk to you about why they made that selection then you have the player who was drafted conference called in you talk to that player for 10 15 minutes you go back to your cubicle and you write and you're done and then you wait for the next pick after you're done writing you go back you watch the rest of the draft the next pick is made you do it all over again for me even just covering this draft i'm just going to be sitting at home pretty much like anyone else watching from it and then you would kind of think that the jets will probably have shortly thereafter the coach and the gm conference calling you're going to do it remotely it's going to be all weird but even from that perspective these guys aren't going to be together from a team perspective while we're down there in the media room they're all up in the war room everyone you got scouts up there you got the gm the coach everyone the owners there they're all sitting there talking now if you want to have you got to shoot the text you got to make the phone there's it's going to be so weird and odd just from a holding the draft perspective that you almost forget the fact that these guys haven't been able to attend any pro days they haven't been able to have any private workouts they haven't really been able to have for some of these players face-to-face meetings with them and that's where so many guys end up getting drafted you know your first second uh to some extent third round picks you kind of know who those guys are you know they're first and second and third round picks for a reason but when you get into fourth fifth sixth round seventh round picks these are guys that you find at pro days these are guys that you find from going to scout someone at someone else's pro day and someone else jumps off the film 
those guys, I don't know how you're going to find them. I don't know how you're going to scout them. And forget not, that's not even talking about the guys that have medical red flags where you have, you know, a knee issue that you want your doctors to take a look at to see, okay, is this something where this guy is going to be totally fine? Is this something where it's going to be a guy that maybe his career is only going to be three or four years, but you're going to get a really good three or four years? Because that was a problem with Jay Ajayi a couple years ago was he had a knee issue. Then he slipped a little bit and you were kind of wondering like, okay, where is he going to get picked? Because he's a hell of a talent, but they thought that that knee issue would eventually limit his career. There are all these questions that this this year, for, forget the how, it, how it's going to be held and people being separated and you can't be at your facilities. You got to Zoom call it in. Just the 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 actual scouting of players has changed so dramatically that it's just it's it's going to be odd. I mean, basically everyone's going to be watching this draft like fans have been watching this draft for years. It's just going to be sitting at home seeing who gets picked. It's going to be almost like a fantasy football draft. It's weird. Yeah, it's going to be fun, and, and the Jets obviously picking or not fun. We'll see. Uh, the Jets <laughs> picking number eleven. Um, there's a lot of needs. We've gone over them all on this podcast. They've done a lot to help out the offensive line, but man, getting a big left tackle would certainly help things. And there might be one there. If you could have anybody in this draft that makes sense for the jets, Evan, who would you like them to pick? Well, I'm, I'm okay with the tackle going at number 11, but, um, I think we would be, uh, getting the third or fourth best tackle. Um, when I think about it, it's either third or fourth best tackle or the first wide receiver. So I would lean slightly towards somebody like Jerry Judy. Um, I'd be fine with uh, Jedrick Wills or, or Beckton or any of the other guys, but uh, I just think if you can get a, a, the first wide receiver, I know it's a deep draft in wide receivers, but somebody like Jerry Judy, they say like, you know, if, if you get an offensive lineman, it's gonna help Sam Darnold. He's not gonna get sacked as much. You're gonna protect him, but so will wide receiver. If you can get yep. somebody that can get open right away, like. I, I didn't see too many guys, you know, running across the field being wide open last year. Um, if you could add him with Perryman and Crowder and Herndon back and you got Le'Veon Bell on the backfield, like you have options. That's a way for, for Darnold to remain safe. So, uh, you know, I would lean towards Judy if he's available, but I'd be fine with, a, with an offensive tackle. Now, I mean, that's, that's the first pick. And then you go to, you know, the further, the further picks really like the second and third rounders where we have two third rounders. There's, first four picks that we that we select i mean you can get good players yep. i mean i think as connor said later in the later rounds like it's kind of a crapshoot even yep. probably more than ever this year um but i would lean towards jerry judy first but i would be okay with the offensive tackle now you know if you pick a wide receiver first then what's going to be available offensive tackle or cornerback uh, or even maybe running back in the second round or maybe even take another wide receiver although yep. that's that's a little bit crazy I think that's the that's the debate that Douglas is going to be having this entire time. I mean that that's that's what this is all going to come down to. This is what he's going to be going back and forth probably until he turns his digital play, you know, draft pick into wherever they hit enter to submit it or whatever because this is this is going to be something that he needs to decide because it is I, I think if now now where where I tend to, to I think that if if they have one of Jedrick Wills Beckton or Worfs if one of those three guys is there at 11 like one of those top three guys is there at 11 I don't think there's any question that you go with the tackle because those top three tackles are when you grade them all together they might be you know that might be the second or third best tackle but if you actually looped everyone in the draft together they're still going to be ahead of the receivers I mean those three guys are people that scouts believe are all pro potential you put them on the left or right side of your offensive line and they are a staple for the next 10 to 12 seasons. I mean, they're that good. Where this gets very, very interesting is if those three tackles all go and the Jets are left with the number four guy or Judy or Lamb because Andrew Thomas back, uh, where do I want to put this? Like back back before the, the college season really began, he was kind of considered, Andrew Thomas was the top tier tackle. Like that was the one that everyone kind of knew about. They knew him from Georgia. He was going to be the top guy. As the season went on, Andrew Thomas didn't necessarily get worse. I remember talking to actually our guy Dane, Dane about this, is that Thomas didn't get worse. It was just kind of more people started scouting him, and they realized, well, you know what? Yeah, he's still a pretty good player. He's probably a top 15 pick, but Becton does this better, and Worfs does this better, and Wills does this better, and he's not no – like, he was the one that was most talked about early on, but he's not the best tackle anymore, and he's kind of slid down to that fourth where he's still a good player. He's still a guy that's going to go in the first round, top 15, top 20 pick, but the Jets would, if it's Thomas up there – 
from reading and talking to other people and how other people view this guy, they would be reaching for him where they would not be reaching for Judy or Lamb. And I think that's where they're going to have to debate it. And it's honestly all going to come down to how Joe Douglas individually grades these guys. It's how he individually grades Thomas compared to Judy compared to Lamb. Because Judy and Lamb, if he says, all right, there is a steep grade difference between these two guys, well, then you got to go with the receiver and you try to grab your tackle. But I think where this is all going to be determined by the or for the Jets honestly might be what the Giants do with their draft pick because people are talking about them potentially going with that linebacker Simmons from Clemson and if they go with that linebacker from Simmons then you loop in all the other draft picks that are also going to go uh you talk about how the the three quarterbacks two is going to go Herbert's probably going to go uh Burrow's obviously going to go Chase Young's going to be gone the corner from Ohio State's going to be gone that once if Simmons, which is that first kind of tackle position where the Giants could go with him or they could go with Wills or an offensive tackle or Becton or whatever, if they go with a linebacker, you're almost guaranteeing that one of those top three tackles is going to be there at number 11 for the Jets. And if that's the case, I think they got to go with one of those top three. If it's Thomas there and it's the fourth best tackle, that's when you start having that discussion of, you know what, maybe yeah. we do have to go receiver. Actually, one thing is if, if it's only Thomas available at offensive tackle at 11, the other thing that I've read and, and think makes a lot of sense is if they could trade back a few picks. That's an option too. 15, yeah. 16, they could still get it. 15, 16, they could get it. maybe the second best wide receiver. Maybe it's CD Lamb's available there, Henry Ruggs, yeah. or maybe even Judy. And then they pick up maybe a late second, early third, and then they pick up you know Lloyd Cushenberry, somebody like that, somebody who can play uh, play center, play guard, you know, just uh, – you get two picks for one and you're not, you, you know, I think it makes a lot of sense to do that. And Ruggs is an interesting guy because the one thing that, that Joe or not Joe, I'm sorry, Adam Gase does love within his offensive speed. I mean, that's something that he is obsessed with at the receiver position. And it's weird because that doesn't necessarily always translate to success at receiver. I mean, some of the top receivers in the NFL aren't four, two guys. I mean, that's just not, that's not what they run. I mean, you have guys like, you know, Julio Jones has, has been one of the best in the league. He's not, he's fast, but he's not 4-2 fast. DeAndre Hopkins, he's not 4-2 fast. I mean, he's fast, but he's, you know, they're kind of the fast enough. And then what separates them is hands and route running and, and getting the 50-50 balls and stuff. But Gase genuinely does love those fast players. I mean, that is what he is obsessed with is fast, speedy receivers. Well, Ruggs is the fastest, speediest guy in this draft. And he's not, yeah. he's not a consideration at 11. I mean, he shouldn't be a consideration 11. He's not that high. But if the Jets do move back, they might miss on Judy. They might miss on Lamb. They might miss on Thomas. But they can get one of those extra second-ish round picks maybe for a team looking to come up, get an extra third-round pick. And suddenly, like you said, they can get the guy that, that fits Gase's offense the best because he's the fastest guy in the draft. And then you can turn around. You can try to grab a tackle later on in the first round if they want to package that third-rounder, their second-rounder, go up and get it, or even just maneuver different things to try to grab a tackle at the end of the first, early portion of the second. So there are options there. And, and there's options there that I don't think has been around for this franchise uh, in the draft and in quite a bit. I know Mike McAggan always talked about trading back. It was what he wanted to do, trade back. We're looking to sell. We're looking to sell. He never did it just because he could never find the package of picks. You know, the year that the Jets had the pick and they were so desperate to move down was the year that there really weren't any top-tier quarterbacks in the draft. It was, uh, I think it was the Trubisky year maybe. I think it was that where, like, you know, there wasn't a, a bona fide top four guys that were going to go all top five. Like, that wasn't the talk before the draft was in that that class. So, uh, it's kind of a weird year because now, finally, for the Jets, there are going to be teams that want to come up for players, and they have a pick that maybe they can potentially move down and help themselves. Yeah, yeah, and part of the reason why, uh, you know, I say wide receiver, but I'm scared is because of what Mike McCagnan did during his time. You know, you remember the year when he picked in the third and fourth round? Our uh, Darius Stewart, Stewart and Chad Hanson. Hanson. Yep. That, that, that's the worst. And then the, the year before, he had Jerome Peake was the only guy who picked, but he was a special teamer. Yeah. And then Devin Smith the year before that. I think that was his first draft. So, I mean, we're, we're just not good at, at drafting wide receivers. Yeah. Um, I think the last okay one that we drafted is probably Quincy Anunua. Yeah. I think he was a sixth round. Yeah, he was a total uh, developmental project too. Yeah, complete, complete developmental project than Anunua was. And he really came. I mean, when they got him, he was just a height, weight, speed guy. Was that he just was really like Yeah, thick. he had a 4'4". Four, four, yeah. He was huge. Yeah. yeah, he was like a thicker guy, fast. Like he was just big and physical. I remember I talked to him in the, uh, the locker room like maybe a second. When he really started coming on and the Jets were kind of playing him at like that H-back role. And uh, he said, like, yeah, you know, I'm actually playing because they know I can block. I mean, I was like, I, he had the most pancakes at receiver. I think he played for Nebraska, if, I'm not, <laughs> if I remember correctly. But yeah, one guy you mentioned, Nebraska. Devin Smith. I'll tell you what, man. I think that guy gets a bad rep because I remember his first year, his rookie year. That dude was tearing it up in o rookie, yeah. rookie minicamp, 
OTAs, you couldn't cover him. He was running by everyone. And then I remember it. So I remember because I was literally I was standing right there when it happened. It was Geno Smith went to go deep on him when he was covered by like Marcus Williams in training camp. And yep. uh, Devin, the ball was underthrown as Geno tend to do. And uh, Devin tried to jump back at the ball to catch it and actually did. He tipped it up in the air and made like this diving grab back behind Marcus Williams. When he landed, he like uh, broke his ribs and punctured his lung, was out, finally like missed all of this developmental time where we would learn the playbook. Finally gets back in there, tears his ACL. And then all of a sudden it's one ACL, another another ACL. Yeah, just bad luck. But he, came, he actually came on a little bit for the um, the Cowboys this past year. Yeah, caught a touchdown. I remember seeing his name flash across the ticker. I was like, oh, that Devin Smith's back. He was, he was fantastic. I, I went to Michigan undergrad, so he went to Ohio State. Oh, you probably saw a lot of them. I used yeah. to watch him a lot. And he, I don't know if our secondary was terrible, but he'd kill us. He'd have like two 70-yard touchdowns yeah. every game yeah. against Michigan. He averaged so like almost was, 30 yards a catch or something like that in college. It was this weird, yeah. absurd That was number. crazy. Yeah. Yeah, but I kind of have PTSD for selecting wide receivers. So, like, I guess yeah. whatever I say, kind of take with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, like, I, and, and I don't know about offensive linemen because we haven't drafted offensive linemen in the last Ever. Yeah. I don't know how many years. Yeah. Yeah. The biggest thing Douglas has to do is just like convince Jets fans that he's not McCagnan. Like we're, this is a new era yeah. and, and we're going to do things differently uh, for right. what it's worth on the, uh, the mock drafts. Dane has the Jets getting Jedrick Wills at, with that number one pick Connor, you had Becton. So both yeah, that's of you how that I use the mock that, draft that number three yeah. was, yeah, was still alive there. Um, so if that does happen and they do get the offensive lineman up there in that, that first spot, that means receiver probably becomes yes. a bigger deal with that 48th pick, yeah. and it's going to be a different set of receivers at that point. Obviously, Judy's going to be gone at that point in that top flight, but everybody talks about how deep this draft is when it comes to receivers. Um, so at 48, uh, Dane has the Jets going with LaVisca Cheneau out of Colorado, and you have... Michael Pittman from USC that we've talked about so much. And actually, when we were at the Combine in Indianapolis, um, I was there when he was doing the bench press. Um, looked impressive for what it's worth doing that. But but if they go offensive line in the first round, Connor, do you think it's almost a lock they go yes. receiver in the second round? Yeah, you got to get your receiver. And, and like, I, like we've said, everyone has said, the people who know a shit ton more about the draft than I do have said this. It's that they have – it's so deep. I mean, you got basically – I think it's something like – somebody said once it was like a – forget which which draft guy said it it was like you know something like 20 to 23 players with first or second round grades at receiver so you're going to get a first round talent that would be first round any other year in the second round for the jets and and i mean there's there's a dozen guys you could look for because you don't know how many guys are going to go in the first so it kind of gets to where you're just guessing on the second i use a uh the mock draft simulator one of them on fan speak i think that one's like the best to play around with because they really do a good job with it you can choose different boards they have team strengths that kind of can figure out who goes where, who trades, all this kind of stuff. And uh, for me, it was Pittman was the guy that was there. And I think he'd be a good pick for the Jets. I don't know if he's legitimate number one receiver. I don't, I don't, I don't know. But I know he's a big guy. He's a physical guy. He's got good speed, not great speed. And he can win 50-50 balls. And, you know, with, with Darnold, he needs the number two in addition to a number one. The Jets don't really have that. They have a slot in Jamison Crowder, yes. But they don't really have the, the bona fide number one guy or the really good number two. And if Pittman is as reliable with his hands as a lot of people think if he's as if he can develop he already has a rapport with Darnold because they played together a couple years at USC if they already have something there and he can be a plug-and-play he's now your number two he's someone out there you can rock and roll with you can uh you, you can make that work I think either way receiver receiver in the second round I think is a lock if you know if you go offensive line in the first you like that plan Evan yeah no I like Pittman uh the two that I've kind of looked at and done some research on it. Uh, Jalen Rager, yeah. Denzel Mims. But from everything that I'm reading, it doesn't seem like they'll be there. I like Rager because he actually can help the return game as yeah. well. Uh, I feel, you know, Braxton Berrios is, is okay, serviceable. Um, but I like somebody a little bit more dynamic in there. Uh, yeah, I mean, Pittman's fine. He's got the size. I just don't know if he has the speed and separation to, no, to get away. Yeah. I don't know. I bet, but, you know, this is a second-round pick. So yeah. what can you expect? Yeah. And it's the last second round pick that we had at uh, wide receiver was Devin Smith. Before that, was Stephen Hill. So I mean, the, <laughs> bar, the bar's been set pretty low, right? Yeah, good one-two punch. <laughs> Stephen Hill tried to make a little comeback. Yeah. I wrote a story. I mean, he came tried to make a little comeback in the uh, when they did that like uh, spring football, the spring league or something like that, out in like okay. Arizona or something weird. He popped up there and and he he didn't do anything. 
So it was he's, he didn't he's, do it. Yeah, he, just, he never did. Yeah, he never. He didn't. He had that one it. game like the. Remember the? Um, it was a home opener. I think a few like six years or seven oh, years the one ago against, against the Bills. Buffalo. Yeah, against the Bills. Yeah. Yeah, he, he had two touchdowns. Yeah. And I was like, oh my god, dude, he's turning it around. This guy's going to be a yeah. Hall of Famer. Yeah. And then, then he turned back. To did the not team, so. did not materialize as expected. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was terrible. So number 68 would be the next pick. And this is one, Connor, where your mock and Dane's mock, you both nailed Cameron Dantzler, cornerback, mm-hmm. Mississippi State. And the Jets here, when you look at what they've done, they obviously um, set up one side, but they still need that corner for the other side. What's Dantzler? What's the, the potential there with him? Yeah, I know a lot of people love Bless Austin. You know, he's kind of a guy that he's like, you're, it, it happens every year that you have kind of a lower level draft pick guy. Uh, who everyone kind of falls in love with because he has a couple good games and and you you hope that he develops and for sometimes that happens, uh, other times it doesn't. I mean I think what the Jets got and Evan you can probably attest to this what the Jets got out of Arthur Mollette and Bless Austin at the tail end of last year, it, it, the Jets can't go into 2020 expecting them to get the same. I mean these were guys that they were legitimately worried about taking over as starter, saying holy cow how are we going to stop teams from throwing for 700 yards and seven touchdowns against us? We don't even have any starting corners anymore. They played beyond expectations, but you can't just go into next season saying they're going to do exactly the same thing again, that they're automatically going to be as good. You need to fortify that, which they did a little bit with Pierre Desir. I think that was a good signing, good low-key signing. is a solid corner. That's what you need. Greg Williams can work with that, but you need to address it. And and with one of those two third-round picks, I think it's a lock for them to go out there and get it. And Dantzler's a bigger guy. He's a physical guy, which Greg Williams is going to like. Uh, needs to work. I think I was reading a little about uh, what Dane was writing about him need to work a little bit on different things and, and uh, ball skills and stuff like that. But he's a good, he's a good player. He's a, he's a good at the very minimum. He's a good number two. He's someone you can develop and he can potentially have a role this year and give you that stability to where now you have a little bit of a rotation where you've got Mollette who you think can play a little bit if need be. You got Austin, someone who you want to develop who, you know, if he's healthy, maybe that can happen. And you got Dancer you can throw in there as, as that, that young guy to keep, keep working with. Big it's picture, a, Evan. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. It's a, I mean, it's a um, it's a pass happy league, so obviously we need some cornerbacks. Uh, I agree with Connor that you know Millette and Bless Austin they, they played well. Uh, I mean, they definitely exceeded my expectations for for when they played. But I think to put all of our chips uh, in their corner, I mean that's that's a little bit uh, it's a little bit presumptuous, I think. So yeah. we need a lot of help in cornerback. Um, especially because we don't really have a pass rush. Mm-hmm. So uh, we have good interior defenders, but we don't have a pass rush. So if we don't have a pass rush, uh, you need somebody who actually covered yeah. the receivers for a long time. Dantzler, I mean, everything I've read about him is has been positive. He didn't really uh, run the fastest 40, which scares me a little yeah, bit. Yeah, it was like but a 4 course, five We're talking about third round. Yeah. Yeah, so we're, we're talking third round, so you're not going to get the 4-3 guys. Yeah. You're not going to get, you know – Okuda or Henderson. So um, it's probably about as good as you can do. Um, The other, you know, for the first pick in the third round, the other thing that I think we eventually need to address uh, are running backs. I think there are going to be some running backs that are available in the third. Some guys that maybe fall a little bit. uh, You know, I don't think the top guys, maybe J.K. Dobbins falls, I'm I'm hoping. And I saw enough of him, you know, running against Michigan that I know this kid, he's tremendous. Um, But I think we need to start planning for the future there because. Bell's probably going to be cut after this year unless he has an amazing year. Powell's got, what, one year left? Yeah. Um, and we don't really have anything outside of that. So if we can get somebody cheap in the third round and you know, sign him to a rookie contract for the next four years, that's – Yeah. Anyway, it's you know, four good years. That's it. So 79 is that next pick. Um, and Dane had Julian Aquara, the edge rusher from Notre Dame, go in there. Yeah, Connor, you actually have Cushenberry kind of falling to there from LSU. Yeah. Dane had him going 43. I wanted to skip down to the pick after that, though. Uh, it's number 120. Um, Dane has Shane Lemieux going to the Jets. Connor has Logan Sternberg, guard from Kentucky. Um, but, Evan, there's a couple of big blue guys, a couple of Michigan players um, that are in the mix around there. One of them's an offensive guard in Ben Breedson, and the other one's Donovan Peoples, the receiver, Donovan Peoples-Jones, the receiver. Um, Dane has them going 107 and 115. Make the case for the Jets to grab one of your Michigan guys. Yeah, Breedson's been our uh, Michigan's best offensive lineman for three years. Came in as a freshman and played. Um, he's fantastic. Comes from a small town in Wisconsin. He's kind of a road grader, but also pass block. So he's somebody that we need, considering that uh, our guards right now are who, Van Roten and Lewis, who are or decent guys. But Bradison has the um, 
he has the upside to potentially be a, a well above average uh, offensive guard. So he he's somebody that I would make this the strong case. Definitely not Shane Lemieux. That sounds like a hockey player. I don't even know who he is. <laughs> uh, I haven't heard of Logan Sternberg. Uh, sounds like an accountant from uh, Kentucky. I have no idea who he is. But um, Bradison, I, I watched a lot. He's he's really good. Uh, Donovan Peoples Jones. I was um, I was really fired up when we when we recruited him. And then he signed with Michigan. He was one of these five star recruits that we thought he'd come in right away and, and do great. Uh, I remember his freshman year, he ran back uh, a punt return. Everyone was like, oh, this is just the beginning. Then he got injured. And then he just never got any separation. Yeah, It was crazy. I, I watched him closely. He was probably the third best receiver on, on Michigan this year. Um, and this is a guy that people love because he was a five-star recruit. I, I, just, I didn't see the fire. I didn't see him really producing at all. Yeah. So he's a guy that even if he was an undrafted free agent, you know, I would – Maybe consider it, but certainly not to draft him. You, not not this high in the draft as well. You, you see players totally makes like sense that. Then that up, Dane Dane has the Browns taking him. Go ahead, Connor. Yeah, you see, yeah, you see players like that though that end up getting picked basically based on their high school stuff, and usually it is later. It's in the fifth. It's in the sixth round because they'll say, you know what, maybe it just didn't work in Michigan. It was they didn't he didn't mesh with this or he didn't mesh with that. And you bring him in, and you see if he can't get anything. The Jets actually did it, if I'm not mistaken, with uh, McKnight because Joe McKnight didn't do too much at all at USC. Uh, the late Joe McKnight didn't do too much at USC, but was like a top. Wasn't he like the number one? I thought I thought I remember reading about him. This was before they I was said he was maybe. the next Reggie Bush. I think. Yeah, right? it was. I thought they, he was like the number one recruit. Bush. I thought he was like a, a five star. I think he was recruit. number one. Yeah, and he just never did yep. anything. But the Jets took a chance on him. You end up finding like they can do like you know maybe he f- finds a, a niche for himself as a returner or something like that. You know maybe it's not his receiver. He does this, but yeah, I remember reading about him. He's actually a guy that. When I was doing like the first iterations of mock drafts and stuff like that and going through doing the simulations, uh, Peoples Jones was someone who kind of routinely popped up. And I remember reading about him and hearing a lot of the same things that, that Evan had said, where it just it never really came together for him at Michigan. You're wondering, like, okay, change of scenery, NFL, different coaching, maybe it'll work for him, but it would be a risk, it would be a gamble. Yeah, I think it's a huge risk with him. I mean, if you don't show it by your junior year of college that you have the fire and the passion to really separate yourself, mm-hmm. I mean, it, by junior year, he's playing against probably mostly sophomores and, and juniors. I understand freshman year, he's playing against people who are bigger and have been in the system for a while, but he, he never showed me anything. Yeah. Third or fourth best receiver in Michigan. Yeah. Uh, and people are really buying into what he did in high school. And, and that. If you don't turn it, if you don't turn it on by the age of twenty one, it's kind of too late. I, yeah, I didn't turn it on until like thirty something. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm still waiting for it to turn on. Actually, so you get you get late in the draft, and obviously at that point the mock kind of goes away because who knows what will actually play out. But but just in a general picture, Connor, you have the Jets actually going to the running back direction, going that direction a couple yeah. times late. Um, A.J. Dillon, who had a great career at Boston College and was yep. considered um, a Heisman candidate at times. You have him going late, and then then also uh, James Robinson, smaller school guy out of Illinois State. Um, is that the area you think makes the most sense for them to add depth to the backfield? Yeah, it's it's kind of like it's kind of like Evan said. They got to get running backs in this year's. I mean, they have to get some because odds are Le'Veon Bell is not going to be back for for year three. Is that they'll they'll let him go? The guaranteed money on his contract will be gone, and they'll move on. They'll find someone new. And that's what they'll do, but they need to start getting running backs. And I think that that the way that Gase has shown previously in his career, and I think you're also going to see it uh, a little bit this year, even with Le'Veon Bell, is that he wants the running back by committee approach, is that he wants a group and a stable of running backs that can go out there and play, guys that can run for... You know, you, you don't you don't have one back that gets 40 touches, but you kind of have three backs that combine for 30 touches or 35 touches. And, and you know, the collection of them, you know, the collections better than the whole is kind of what you're going to have with the Jets running backs. And, you know, he'll ride the hot hand this year, but you got to get some hot hands in that backfield because I know the Jets like Josh Adams. They think he's fast. He's got some things working there. They don't necessarily have uh anything outside of those two guys. So they're going to address the running back position here. And, and as, as Evan kind of alluded to, but it's just a matter of where I could see him going with, if the right guy falls and the right running back is there in the third round, I could see the jets going with a running back in the third round. If not there, then the fourth or the fifth or something like that, but they'll definitely add someone. Dylan, I think was an intriguing guy. I think that they're going to look to add people that maybe have a specific skill set with that one running back. 
and then they'll look for another running back that has a completely different skill set. So you'll see them add the bigger, the bruiser guy that they can run between the tackles. Then you'll see them draft someone who's shifty and can be the third down back because then in 2021, you're going to have a stable of a rotation of guys that are constantly moving in and out, constant fresh legs. And that's what you'll see Gase, you know, if he's still around as head coach in 2021, trying to kind of build within this offense. Evan, what do you think? So that's a great point you bring up about Gase. Evan, what do you think? Are you on the Gase bandwagon here, or are you still uh, undecided as if he's the guy? I was before. When he was hired, he was actually my top choice. Oh, was he really? Nice. I, thought, I thought what he did with Miami was amazing, especially, you know, the first year going to the playoffs. And then even the last year, I don't even know if you guys remember, like, remember that miracle ending against Yeah, against New England, yeah. Like they were like, we're still in the playoff race. I think they were. That made them like maybe six and six. Mm-hmm. And then you look at their roster. The roster was terrible. Yeah. It was garbage. It was worse than the Jets roster. Yeah. Um, so I said he's doing a lot with very little. Uh, but then you see a lot of his ex players go to other teams. Uh, Ryan Tannehill. Mm-hmm. You see like uh, running backs, Kenyon Drake. And you see receivers going. And they're they're going to other teams and actually producing. So maybe he was holding them back. I was disappointed in his um, in his play calling. Yeah. The offense looked terrible last year. It just wasn't it wasn't dynamic. You know, yeah. you see like some of these offenses where you have no idea what they're going to do. I know that you know, when it's second and ten, they're going to run the ball right up the middle and they're going to get one yard. Yeah. It's going to be third and nine, and then and then their team's going to blitz and then Donald's going to throw it away. Like yeah. I knew that every time yeah. last year. It just wasn't dynamic enough. But you know, you got to give him credit for the defense, even though it was mostly Greg Williams. But you know, I'm kind of a believer that kind of the buck stops here. Yeah. So he's the head coach. So he should get, if he's going to get blamed for the offense, he should get some credit for the defense, even though it was mostly hands off. Um, you know, the expectations for this year are, I know we have a tough schedule, but I don't really ever buy into that yeah. because nobody knows how these teams are going to perform. Yeah. And the Patriots are, are a lot, are going to be not as good as they were last year. Probably. Uh, my expectations are we should be, you know, eight and eight or above. And if we're not, if we're not showing a lot of, uh, momentum for the for the following year when we still have a lot of salary cap and mm-hmm. uh, we'll have our picks presumably and, and Darnold would be in going into year four and we'll have these these new picks from this year but then then we have to get rid of them and Douglas should bring in somebody else because Douglas is here for what another four years he's signed, like, nice. a six year deal yeah he's gonna be so here for a gonna, bit he, yeah it's great he's gonna be here and I like everything he's done but Gates has to I mean this this is kind of a put up or shut up type year yeah. Connor, looking at this mock that you put together, if you think about if they come away from this draft, if if we wake up next week and it's Becton, Pittman, Dantzler, Cushenberry, Sternberg, and then late in the draft you get Dylan, uh, Edge Rusher, Trev Gibson from Tulsa, and then Robinson, is that a is that a win for the Jets? If they end up with those players, do you think all right, that's a heck of a haul for this team right now? Yeah, I think I think it would be a pretty good one. Now, here's the thing is, and I say this all the time about the draft, and and I'm I, I grew up like when I was a kid, the NFL, the football was my favorite sport. I love the NFL, all that stuff. Um, with that said, like the draft was always something. That even when I was a kid, I couldn't stand. I just thought it was like it, it was like <laughs> no one knows, like no one like these guys are paid millions of dollars to evaluate these college players and find these stars. And then every single year you find stars and players that no one could evaluate or figure out what they were going to do in the sixth round. You have guys that are the best of the best hitting at like a 300, 400 clip, you know, at, at basically what their batting average is. I mean, it's just crazy to me. And I, I remember uh, ex-Jets coach Todd Bowles described it as an educated crapshoot. And it was like the best description of a draft that I've ever heard. And as soon as he said, I remember talking to him after the conference, I was like, man, that's it. I was like, I've been looking forever to try to find a way to describe the draft. And this is the best way that I can think of to describe the draft. And so, look, I mean, I think it would, this draft that, I, that you put together, I mean, I think, yeah, it would work. I think the one that Dane put together would work too because you have the Jets solidify, you know, uh, theoretically filling holes. You can fix the offensive line. You add a playmaker. But so much of it relies on not only getting players, but getting players that are then going to develop. And and you never know if these guys are going to develop. You never know if they're going to piece it together and build it through. I mean, you just, you don't, you don't know because it's the draft and even the people that are paid millions of dollars to, to determine this thing, they don't even know. So, you know, yeah, I think, I think it would, it would give them potential. It would give them hype. I mean, but if they get it right, that's a good thing. If not, I mean, that's just kind of like everyone else. So draft night next Thursday at the Goldschneider household. What's it look like, Evan? Yes, we're sitting in front of the TV. Uh, Jackie's usually in the other room watching us. Uh, I always, uh, I always record my kids' reactions to the picks. Oh, oh really? my God, they're they're brutal. My my boys, we have three boys and one girl, 
my boys are such massive sports fans. Like it's, it's so loud in our house. You'll probably be able to hear us where you are. <laughs> what was their reaction for some to reason, us, the Sam? Boy, for the boys, it's mostly like clothing optional. Oh God, <laughs> they take they, they rip their shirts off. They scream. They wear their jerseys, their Jets jerseys. They get very excited. Were they were they pumped up over no the Darnold different. pick, the Sam Darnold pick? Was that that one that fired them up? No, no. So I, I had them brainwashed that I didn't want Darnold. Oh, really? That for some reason, before the draft, everybody wanted Josh Rosen. Yes. So I was making the joke, and I, I, did, I was like, yeah, maybe we'll get Josh Rosen at number three. And then when they said it's Sam Darnold, and they showed a picture of Sam Darnold, and his face looks so heavy in the picture. <laughs> They're like, we couldn't get somebody who's in shape. They're like, why did we get this guy? I'm, I'm done. I'm done with the team. And then I showed him video. I showed him like highlights of Sam Darnold, and they're like, okay, all right, maybe he's gonna be good. He'll be fine. Then. But at first, like they, they, they're like every Jet fan. Like, they're gonna boo. That's their reflection, reflexive like uh, impulse of just boo. To, to boo every pick. Boo. Yeah. It's kind of like the Jeff Logman boo. You know, like yeah. uh, you have to boo. So, um, it's like when yeah, the, no, uh, when, like when the, when the draft was always at radio city and you yeah. could just, uh, count on the jets fans to, to be there and to be booing regardless of, of who the pick was, they were never on board. Yeah. It was the best. Yeah. No, I still love it. This has been uh, so much fun. Absolutely. Uh, Jackie and Evan, thanks for coming on. Um, you, just getting ready for this podcast. I kind of binge watch some real housewives and, and I've become a fan <laughs> Uh, Marissa sent me the episodes that I should watch to, to get the best feel for things. So, uh, it was good stuff, entertaining. And, um, thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having us. We had so much fun. Any, any plug or anything like that for, for the show or anything like that you guys want to want to drop or anything you guys are working on? Um, no, I mean, uh, we're on hiatus right now, so, uh, we'll see. Yeah. And Jackie, you also, do you still do some writing too, right? Yeah, I still write. Right now, I'm writing a bunch for Good Housekeeping, and um, I'm doing some stuff on my Instagram stories. So if anyone uh, follows me on Instagram, Jackie Goldschneider, I do some fun stuff on there. Awesome. And uh, that's it. Just waiting for life to resume. You know, right now, I'm just being a homeschool mom. I'm a teacher now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We're hoping uh, hoping normalcy returns sometime before the jet season starts. That's for yeah. sure. Yeah, but we hope so. We hope thank so. you, guys. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for having us. All right. If anybody wants to hear more about the upcoming draft, check out the Prospect to Pros podcast. Dane Brugler, we've talked about him, him and Chris Burke on that one. They'll be getting you ready for the draft and then plenty of recaps afterwards. Um, and if you want to check out The Athletic and haven't subscribed yet, theathletic.com slash the can't wait podcast. Go there. Save 40% off a subscription. You can follow Connor on Twitter at Connor underscore J underscore Hughes. Thanks to Marissa for uh, bringing us the knowledge on The Real Housewives and also, of course, doing all the great producing as well. We'll catch you again next time on the Can't Wait Podcast. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.